What's up, everybody? Uh, welcome to the uh, Stay in the Fight podcast. Today, I got an extra special episode uh, for all you uh, longtime listeners, uh, you guys who listened to the first uh, episode and heard a little bit about my story and Morse Hall projects and getting started at, at Bethel. Uh, this is a guy that uh, I met there. We were actually kind of, uh, I guess, like bathroom mates, you know, I, I don't know how you call it, but uh like lived right next to each other, you know, got really close, obviously like still in touch. Um, this is, he's uh, the defense coordinator at Ottawa University in Kansas, uh, Tom Pearson. How you guys doing, man? Appreciate it again for having me, big dog. Absolutely. What's going on, man? How you been? Man, I can't call it living the, living the Midwest life, you know, so uh, happy wife, happy life. Got my wife out here, kids. They're living it up, loving it. Just got some snow recently. So got a nice little snowman in the backyard. A little a nice fun than uh, Southern California for sure, man. Just to say the least, it is a little bit different. <laughs> but awesome, man. Well, I, I appreciate you hopping on, uh, and I definitely want to talk to you a little bit about, you know, your story, uh, kind of what got you into coaching. Uh, and for the people who don't know, you know, Coach Pearson uh, played at the JUCO level, coached at the JUCO level, uh, played at the NAI level, coached at the NAI level. Like, so uh, he's very well versed in an option that not a lot of coaches know is a, a real option and a great way to you know make a living and stay connected to football so uh, coach Pearson you know take me back to the beginning you know when did you know you wanted to be a football coach so it kind of hit me a little later um initially after I was done playing um I got a chance to be a student assistant at, at Ottawa I graduate played and graduated at Ottawa University so I got a chance to be a student assistant for the 2009 season um and and after that season I kind of sat down and talked to myself thought to myself and I didn't want to coach. Um, I wanted to go into not football coach, but sports performance coach. So I wanted to work with just different athletes and make athletes better athletes, if that makes sense. So um, I wanted to go that route. I didn't think I wanted to do the X's and O's. I didn't want to do that. I just wanted to make athletes better athletes. Um, so I did that for about a year and a half. Um, then I kind of moved on and kind of got a job at, at a Gold's gym. Um, I was selling and, and doing personal training. Um, and that's when it kind of hit me. So that was about 2011. That's when it hit me. And I was like, you know what? I just missed the itch of football. Like I just needed to get back around the guys, around the gridiron, around the, the board, the X's and O's, the film, the breakdown, things like that. So um, so it was about 2011, me and my buddy who, who's a, actually a football coach now, we were both working in the gym and just thought to myself, and I got to find a way to get back into football. So um, got a chance to apply, got the job over at Bethel as a graduate assistant. Um, where we met and kind of blew up from there. So 2011, I would say, was when I was like, you know what, I, I got to get back into this. So you actually started coaching without the intention of actually coaching? Yep. So okay. um, yeah, 2009, jumped into it. And and like I said, after the season was over, I didn't I didn't think I wanted to do it anymore. I did a spring with, with Ottawa. Um, after I was done playing in 08, I did a spring in 09. I did the fall of 09. We went 11 and one, we won the conference championship, made it to the playoffs, like all that. We had a great season, um, but I, I thought I was done with football. I was I was thinking, thought I wanted to go and do bigger and better things. And um, the whole time football has been calling me. That's kind of how you broke into the profession. Now recap your career for me. Tell me a little bit about Bethel, you know, and a couple of your, your other stops. Gotcha, so Bethel, I was a graduate assistant there for two seasons, um, coaching the inside linebackers. Um, so that was the first stint, 2012, 2013, got a chance to do that, loved it, helped out a little bit with special teams, but mostly focused on, on backers and defense at that point. 
Um, had a good year there. One good year, won a conference championship in the mid, uh, Mid-South. Um, then after the two seasons there, moved back to California. Um, and, and that's kind of where I left my graduate assistantship without knowledge of what my next step was. So I graduated in December, not knowing what I was going to do January, knowing I was moving back to California, started calling junior college coaches that I played for, um, coaches that I knew um, being in the junior college and ended up getting the job uh, at Orange Coast College by way of San Bernardino Valley College. So um, went the JUCO route, coached there for two years, coaching with the linebackers, uh, strength and conditioning coach, uh, assistant special teams coach, um, just kind of did a little bit of everything to try to make myself as marketable as possible. Um, get guys out there, talking to coaches, emailing coaches, recruiting, getting my guys recruited, but also putting my name out there, hopefully getting myself recruited at the same time. Um, kind of that whole JUCO grind. Um, and then from there, got a phone call from uh, Coach Kessinger, uh, who's the head coach here at Ottawa, who, who I played for. Um, he's kind of talked to me, told me that he, hey, he's kind of been following me around or following my career as I have been going on the last few years. Um, their defensive coordinator just moved on and got another job and they had an opening. So he gave me a call, gave me an interview and ended up coming to Ottawa. And I've been here for the last five years now. Okay. That's awesome, man. I, I think you hit on a yeah. really good point. Um, and I found it true for myself, coaching at the Division three level, you know, junior college, those places where you have to wear a lot of different hats. Um, one, you're getting immersed into every single part of the, the, the recruiting, the development process. Like for a guy like yourself who wanted to get into strength and condo and then learned that, you know, he also wanted to do X's and O's, you know, doing the JUCO route, doing Division three is a great way to be able to scratch all the itches. You know what I mean? Uh, and I, I think yeah. that's, you know, uh, you know, looking back, I was always very envious, like, man, I want to be that division one GA and get that, you know, uh, all that experience or whatever. When meanwhile, like, you know, the experience that I had being a position coach, becoming a coordinator really young and like getting to do as much stuff as I did, I, I think was, you know, um, amazing for my career and it has taught me so much more. You know what I mean? I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And, and that's one of the things that I usually tell coaches, um, that are looking to get into a small level or NAI or junior college football is like, you got to be prepared to one run your own room for the most part, because they're going to give young coaches, new coaches, a chance to coach a position and run their room, but you got to be able to wear multiple hats. Absolutely. So tell me, uh, cause I'm always interested here. So you graduated and you started coaching uh, and you're coaching kids that you played with. Uh, tell me about like that experience. Like, is it difficult to, to, you know, juggle that, that relationship? It was at first, um, to an extent now, the guys that I was coaching, I was working with the outside backers at the time. I played linebackers, so it was guys that I was sitting next to in the locker room, hanging out with, all that. Um, the, the difficult part was telling the All-American linebacker that we had two All-American linebackers on the team at the time. It's trying to tell them, no, 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 hey, you're doing this wrong. But I think what helped me is because I wasn't the All-American linebacker playing next to those guys. So what helped me was they knew I was somebody who knew what he was talking about at the time. So when it came to our defense, when it came to our technique, when it came to what we did, um, they saw me as a player put in the work, whether it was film, whether it was practice, whether it was in a game, whatever it was, they saw me put in the work and, and, and understand what the defense was to be able to take criticism and coaching from. So um, I take my hats off to those guys because they could have easily turned their nose up and been like, this guy's not a coach. This guy's not, this, they were probably older than me at the time. So um, mm -hmm. it, it was one of those that um, they could have easily 
turned me down and, and ignored me, but they were able, they were willing to take coaching. And that's why I think they were the types of players that they were is because they were willing to take coaching from whoever was looking to give it to them. They just wanted to get better. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. Uh, it's always funny because when I get in conversations with guys that have had that experience, like I've heard some really, really good stories and I've heard some really, really bad stories. So uh, yeah, man, that pendulum could swing pretty quick. No doubt. I can imagine. <laughs> All right. So we know a little bit about your career now. now. Now tell me the juicy stuff, you know, how much did you make? How much was rent? Like, how did you survive? Man. So um, I'm gonna give a shameless plug to my wife. Cause my wife was a big reason why I was able to do what I did and, and survive. So um, everybody knows California is not a cheap place to live and working as a, as a part-time linebackers coach at the junior college level, Lord knows I wasn't making a lot. So I want to say I had a stipend of for $45,000, I think it was. So I was a $5,000 stipend coach. Um, but what my head coach did is being that I had my master's, he was able to put me into some classes and essentially be the teacher for those classes. So um, we got a chance to, I got a chance to teach a, a weightlifting class. Um, and I got a chance to teach uh, essentially one of our football classes, a strength and conditioning football class. So um, that helped me out a little bit. Um, and then we had this, this, this uh, study table essentially that he kind of turned into a job. So that was able to give me a couple thousand dollars there. So when it was all said and done, I want to say I was making about 14, 15,000 um, living in Southern California. Uh, that's not, that's peanuts, man. So um, obviously I wasn't able to do it on my own, but, but got married that year. So 2014 got married. So um, my wife and I, she kind of held down the house while she was letting me kind of live the dream and, and kind of make a name for myself and hopefully get something from it, which um, in turn, I'm not there yet, but I'm definitely working towards, towards that um, position, I guess you could say. So, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, started off $15,000, we'll say, um, which is, like I said, nothing in Southern California. So wifey held it down and, and allowed me to kind of make my mark. No, that's amazing. Man. You know, as I've had more conversations, it's like you have to have that support system because especially when you start out in football, like you're sacrificing so much of like a normal life and yeah, man, like a normal salary and, you know, things that like <laughs> everyday people just, you know, take for granted, you know? Um, but all right. So next portion of this, you have any good stories from when you made like little to no money? Sheesh. Well, you got a listen bunch of to, ones. I was going to say, listening to the podcast about the Morris Hall project, that was my birthday that he was talking about oh, um, that, that we kind of spent some money on, but, um, and then got it confiscated. But um, living, living in, in, like I said, living in Southern California, I lived in, I lived in Temple City, Orange Coast College, was in Costa Mesa. So that's about 45, 50 miles um, without traffic, you know what I'm saying? So some days it would take me two hours to get to work. Um, I think the longest that it ever took me to get home was six hours. I was in the car for six hours trying to get from Costa Mesa to, to Temple City. So um, I think the worst was just knowing that I didn't have the money to get my car fixed. You know what I'm saying? Like putting that many miles daily, seven days a week, going back and forth to the office. Um, I remember I'm on the freeway, I'm on the 405, about to get to the 605 and, and my, my, uh, my tire light goes on bang. So like my tires going flat as I'm driving. Um, and then just knowing like, where am I going to turn? Like, obviously I can't just go to my wife to, 
hey, babe, you want to pay for my car? You want to? So it's one of those, it's almost a pride thing to where it's like, okay, I got to figure out how am I going to get this thing fixed? So um, that is those, those types of things are probably the, the worst that's, that's really happened to me. I, I've been very fortunate to have that support system. Um, but just knowing like, Hey man, we go, we about to go get something to eat. You want to come? Like, no, man, I, I ain't got, I ain't got spending money to go mm-hmm. eat out right now. Like, you know what I'm saying? So um, been fortunate for the, the DC at the time or the head coach at the time to be able to shoot me a couple bucks to, to buy a Jimmy John's sandwich or something like that. But for the most part, I was eating out of a, a Walmart bag that I brought my lunch in um, seven days a week going into the office. So it's those type of sacrifices that some people take for granted, um, being able to go and grab something to eat or take your car into the shop and get a new tire or something like that. Um, I had to try to figure out with whether it was that green stuff that you put in your tire to kind of fill the hole for a second or going into auto shop and trying to get it patched and them looking at me like, bro, just get a new tire. Um, Mm -hmm. Just trying to put some pennies together to make sure I could survive for that next road trip. Absolutely. And just like the stress of all that, like, <laughs> man, I still got to get to practice on time and all that. You know what I mean? Man, uh, being late, being late is, is the worst. I remember at Bethel being late to my first defensive meeting with Fells and, and I think that scared the life out of me. <laughs> I can only imagine, but I mean, you got to a, a good place now, kind of got your first break where, you know, you, maybe you're not doing exactly what you want, but you're making enough money to uh, support your family, which is awesome. You know, looking back, yep. Could you do it all over again to, to get to, you know, the, the same spot, man, me? Yes. Cause, cause at the end of the day, I love ball, man. Like at the end of the day, the X's and O's, the, the time spent with the kids, the, the on the field memories, the, the playing the game, the game planning breakdown. Like I love that stuff. You know what I'm saying? Drawing cards on the weekends, getting ready for practice on Monday. Like I like that stuff. You know what I'm saying? So um, I, in a heartbeat will be able to, would want to do it again. Now, does that mean I get to go back into my younger body and do it? Or do I got to do it at this age? That's the question that I don't know if we want to know, but that's, that's the one where me, absolutely. I love to do it again. And, um, trying to go after that grind. Sometimes I miss it. Those early mornings over at Bethel, um, waking up in, in Morris hall, trying to get, excuse me, get over to the, to the field, make sure the office is set up or get ready for, a defensive meeting at 4 a.m. followed by a team meeting at 6 a.m. followed by a staff meeting at 8 a.m. Um, just to do it all over again the next day is 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 a grind that I like. Um, now would my wife do it? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's the other that's the other that's the other side of the coin right there. So, um, but me absolutely, man. I would. I just love ball. I love being around it. I love doing it, and and I think I would do it again. Okay. Even the six-hour drives? Man, six-hour drives, absolutely not. That, that was the worst day <laughs> in a long time for me, trying to get home to, to crying babies and um, knowing that I'm just sitting in a car, almost parked on the freeway, not moving, or it kind of opens up and then it just stops again. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I won't do that part. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, now transition to the future. You know, kind of tell gotcha. me, what's, what's your dream goal? Uh, dream gig and kind of what's what's your next step to get to that that ultimate dream gotcha so dream gig for me would be um number one probably be in, in back in california getting back to southern california um there's a there's a handful of schools out there whether it's a juco route or um, a division one route since there's no socal d2s anymore so um i think my dream would be getting back in that area um 
preferably number. And then after that, my goal is to be a successful coach. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm not, I'm not necessarily goal driven with where I'm at or, or um, what level or anything like that. I just want to make sure that wherever I am, that I make that the big time for me. And, and I find a way to make an impact for people. Um, Cause I think at the end of the day, I do love football and this is a great way for me to kind of um, do what I feel like I was put here to do. And that's help people. You know what I'm saying? And, and there's no better way to help somebody through me than through football. Um, you know what I'm saying? And, and I feel like I've done an okay job with that. And I want to continue to do that wherever I'm at. So dream job is going to be anywhere that I could be successful um, on the field, which in turns to success for these kids off the field, if that makes sense. So yeah. obviously financially, you want to be able to take care of the family. You want to make sure the kids are good. You want to make sure wifey's good. Um, but when it comes to, to dream, all that stuff is taken care of in the dream. I want to make sure that I'm somewhere that, that could continue to help impact kids um, level. Doesn't really matter. I'm more of a region person, I guess. Um, but shoot, I've lived everywhere in the country already, the East, the South, mm. the Midwest, West Coast. So I, I've been I've been across the country already. So um, I'm just looking to make an impact, man, wherever I go. That's awesome, man. Uh, so kind of pivoting on that, you know, a lot of the guys that listen to this podcast, you know, they're young coaches. Uh, maybe they've heard a little bit about the JUCO route, NAIA. You know, what advice would you have for someone that's going to come up you know, and you know, maybe they're holding out, you know, they, they don't want to accept that job because they're waiting for that division one job or something like that. Do you have any advice for, you know, young guys just starting out? Yeah, man. Um, it, my big thing would be not to, not to turn down or turn your nose up at, at anything right now. Cause sometimes that, that lower level job or that um, job that you don't think is a big time might be your stepping stone to get to where you want to get to. So um, you're not looking to burn any bridges right now. Um, you want to be honest and truthful at, up front. If that's not what you're looking for, then then that's fine. You know what I'm saying? Every every coach has heard the word no before. With this recruiting game, you're going to hear no a lot more times than you hear yes, right? So um, it's one of those where if you're trying to recruit a coach, that's fine. Or if you're trying to get recruited by these coaches, make sure that you're honest and upfront with them, um, letting them know like, hey, thank you, but no thank you. I ain't looking for that. Or um, taking that with, with, uh, with a thought of, okay, well, this might be a stepping stone for me to get to where I'm looking to get. Cause you don't know who that coach knows that can hopefully plug you into something else that you might be looking for. Um, you don't know if that coach is on his way of, to being the next good thing and getting that next big job that hopefully you make a good impression, you could take them with you. So my piece of advice would be um, be willing to not, not settle, but be willing to accept and move on um, when it comes to finding something new. So whether it's for you or not, being able to accept it, move on, or um, be upfront and, and let these coaches know, like, you know what, no, that's not going to work. I'm, I'm not settling for that. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a, a little gold nugget right there for sure. Uh, that's yeah. basically the end of my questions. Uh, Coach Pearson, can you uh, drop your Twitter handle so anybody could reach out to you and connect with you and you know, ask you questions? No. Oh, yeah. Uh, Twitter handle is at T underscore or at coach underscore T Pearson. That's at coach underscore T Pearson. Um, feel free to reach out. Like I, like I said earlier, I love talking ball. Um, I love jumping on. I'll jump on Zooms and, and X's and O's and, and whatever it is and, and try to find a way to reach out to coaches, reach out to players. Um, if there's anything I could do to help, like I said, my, my, my goal and my, I feel like my objective is to make sure I help people get from point A to point B, wherever that is. So 
Um, I want to make sure that I can help however I can. So reach out, say what's up. Let's talk some ball. Awesome, man. I appreciate it. All right. And until next time, this is Stay in the Fight podcast.